Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Dennis DePaulo with us here today, who is the eldest son of Hall of Fame wrestler Ilo DePaulo and a huge supporter of the Hamburg and Blasdell communities. A graduate of Lackawanna High School, he attended Baldwin Wallace College alum, where he played football and earned his degree in business management and marketing. In addition to running a restaurant and banquet facility, Dennis is a secretary for the Ilya DePaulo Scholarship Fund, a nonprofit organization set up after the tragic passing of his father in 1995 to help both scholar athletes and the less fortunate. Today, the Ilya DePaulo Scholarship Fund is a donation of nearly $1 million to the Western New York community. Dennis also volunteers much of his time in his community and has been a board member of many local organizations, including the Hamburg Development Corporation, the Blasdale Business Association, and the Hamburg Chamber of Commerce from 1981 to 1984, to name a few. He's a strong supporter and advocate of the restaurant industry and has been past chairman of the New York State Restaurant Association, past president of the WNY chapter of the New York State Restaurant Association, as one of the founding members of the first group, friendly independent restaurants of the South Towns. Although his professional and personal accomplishments have been many, he takes great pride in the work with the youth and scholar athletes. Whether through coaching or leading by example, Dennis has been a great role model to many young adults, past and present. Many of his employees have gone on to do wonderful things in the community. Dennis, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Great, great. And thank you very much, Jesse, for having me too. So I sincerely appreciate that. Um, the uh, you know, through the, the uh, resumes, really, whoever sent it, I've really got in depth on some of the things that goes on. So, but uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a, an eventful life and enjoyable here with my family and working in a restaurant business. As you can tell, we can uh, we work together as a family and our community is pretty close knit here. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, well, Dennis, yeah. So I, I you know I want to start with maybe the scholarship fund. I know how meaningful that is to you. And with over a million dollars donated to, to local, local, local people, I can imagine that's quite a few scholarships. Is there, is there one or two stories in there, people who are recipients that really stand out to you of being some of the more meaningful ones? Yeah, you know, my father's belief was always that, uh, you know, the more successful you became in life, the more you, um, you know, you gave back to your community. So our, our philosophy is, is pretty simple that we reward those who deserve and we support those in need. So, you know, by supporting the, uh, the future uh, leaders of this country and our leaders in our community, through scholarships and up and with their education. Um, we do half of our money goes to that. And the other half goes to the, um, the disadvantaged people in our community that, uh, that can know, that need the support, that need the help. My, one of our favorite stories is the um, Center for Handicapped Children that we do an annual Christmas party for every year and everything else. And um, this story was at the, um, um, one of our news uh, ladies and friends of ours on, on ABC News received a letter uh, from Christmas, at Christmas time from a mother of a disadvantaged child that um, was uh, being uh, harassed at the mall because her, her child was so disadvantaged that they shouldn't bring that child out in public during the holiday season because it depresses everybody. Well, you, we read this letter and she said, Dennis, look at this letter. And we all sat around, we go, are you kidding me? You know what, let's go. So we called her up, what can we do for you? And there was a small little group of people that were in the same situation as her so we, uh, we decided to throw them a Christmas party, um, which was maybe, you know, 30, 40 people, maybe a half dozen kids. Well, things steamrolled and going on. And that would have to be maybe 25 years ago that we did that. And um, 
now that you know it's got its own building the center for handicapped children we got the the uh, senator Kostowski involved we had the buffalo bills got involved and they bought beds for the in uh, for all the kids and everything else then too so it turned out to be a major um organization that we were behind at the foundation level of it to see this uh, proceed and it's amazing all of these children you know can't communicate with us can can't even whatever but they their joy that they show us every Christmas by their by the blinking of their eyes or or breathing hard or you know just twitching a finger to show us their appreciation it it makes our it makes our whole Christmas uh, when we do that the Center for Handicapped Children so uh, we're really proud of that organization and how they've uh, really taken what we've been able to help them with and really grown into a wonderful uh, organization you know and many of our scholarship athletes now that we've been given scholarships to are now our future leaders in our community, uh, superintendents of schools, attorneys, mm. um, you know, lawyers, accountants, uh, you know, just recently with my mother's situation, I, I relied on a couple of our scholarship winners to help us through this uh, situation and, you know, awesome job. So they've really taken um, that, that belief of uh, the Iliad Apollo, you know, reward and succeed and support. Um, really, we're very proud of what they've carried on for us. So, uh, so we're all in the right direction. We feel great at what we've been accomplishing with this, uh, the scholarship fund. Yes, it's such a, a beautiful story. And it's, it's such an incredible testament to what those acts, you know, those small acts at the beginning that where they can lead to, you know, the snowball effect that we can create just by doing the right thing and, and, and recognizing where there is a need and stepping up yep. to fill that need. Yep, absolutely. There's no doubt. It's those, the little things you do in life and you never know what's going to head out to. So, uh, but you always find out later when it comes back, that little thing you did meant an awful lot to those people and, and to that, in this case, that organization, which is great. Um, so we're very proud of uh, the partnerships that we've formed with all of our, our sponsors and our friends and the people that have really stepped forward. So um, we're very proud of, again, of this uh, scholarship fund that we've uh, been able to do to Apollo. Actually, we're giving out our awards. We didn't really have a wrestling season here in New York, uh, Western New York is uh, exactly, but we do plan on uh, giving out scholarships because a lot of these wrestlers and these kids um, and athletes still performed out of state or did, did something to, uh, um, to stay active and, you know, they deserve to be uh, recognized and rewarded. So we're still going to continue to do that. That's awesome. And Dennis, I'm, I'm curious, you, the, the, the athletes who you said who had been past for scholarship members who are becoming community leaders and community, some of the leaders of the community, do you find that them going through a process of being able to receive when they were younger, does it seem to be making them more generous and proactive and giving as, as they move into leadership now as community members? Oh, I, I absolutely believe in that. I believe that, you know, the way they're being treated when they're young is the way they're, they'll, that they appreciate that. And they expect that. I know my son and his friends and all that kind of stuff, the way we treated him and his friends growing up through their life. Um, you know, we do pizza parties and all the little things we did. I mean, they still remember to this day. Um, and I think that that's really been a good bonding thing uh, throughout. Um, and, you know, that's the big thing. Parents, you know, you know whether it's that's the scholarship, but parent, parenting alone, um, they need to be able to support their, their children as best they can, uh, become involved with them and, and make it the best they can. You don't make it easy for them. I mean, they, you know what, like I told my son, son, I'm sorry, son, you are not going to go and hang out at a girl's house. And you're not going to have a girlfriend in high school because you're going to be too busy between your sports and your academics and your activities and work. Uh, you know, you're not going to have time to go. I'm going to be in my girlfriend's house watching a movie. Uh, 
it doesn't happen. And, and sure enough, it didn't, but he still went to 11 proms. So it's okay. So, you know, it's not that you can't, but we just, you're just going to be too busy to have time for that right now. So I didn't, and it, and it didn't hinder him one bit. So, uh, which is fine. Do you, do you find now that your kids, that seems to be a family tradition of giving. And does that seem to be your, your kids are really taking up the mantle, embracing it as the next generation? Oh yeah. They all, you know, from, you know, my nieces and nephews to my son, to the family, you know, they all, they all know the responsibility that they carry uh, as they get through life. So yeah, it's, it just becomes natural. Like, you know, Hey, let me take care of those people. You don't, you don't have to tell them to do it. They just automatically know what to do. Um, you know, and, and it, and it, and it, cause you know what, you'll be rewarded 10 times over for what you, you do. And then, and like I said, as your success grew, there's a reason why it comes besides hard work. And it's a lot of blessings that you've been blessed with um, in your success. That that's why you continue to share. Why was that so important to your father to support those in need and reward those who deserve it? Because, you know, he, he came from Italy and went, after the war, they had absolutely nothing. They had no food. They had, Italy isn't what it is today. It was all bombed out after World War II. So when he left there and he had polio as a child, so, but he was a big, strong kid. And to this day, they have a statue in his town. They have a museum there for him. I mean, he was like the Hercules of the town by the time he became, um, you know, 19 years old when he left. I mean, he was like, you know, Ilio's Hercules now. So he developed it. But he knew that, you know, that whole town of Intraqua, they all shared through the, the good times and the, and the bad times. They made what happened. If one fa family didn't eat in that town, they all didn't eat in that town. One eight, wow. they all ate, you know, so that's the way they waited. You know, we go back every year and it's remarkable how that one town um, in, in many of them where they all were one big family. They go, Dennis, do you have any relatives there? I go, yeah, the whole town. We're all, we're all like, you know, a thousand people. We're all, it's the same. But that's where they all took care of each other. And when he came to America, you know, he was so grateful with the wrestling and his success crew and the people. And he knew that, you know, these people to thank you, like uh, the, uh, people always come in and go, you know, your father signed autographs all the time. I mean, you know, he wouldn't leave the arena until he signed all the autographs for the kids and stuff. He goes, that was his way of giving back. You know, mm. if he would have seen a scholarship fund to this day, I mean, he'd be happy to be able to give a, a, a pizza to a kid as a congratulations or, a, you know, feed a family a, a pan of rigatoni or something. But, you know, now we give out money and food and do everything else. But, um, but he'd be proud of the direction that his belief really led us all in, not only through our restaurant, but also through the uh, scholarship fund. Yeah, I bet. God, what a beautiful way to carry on his legacy and to really honor what he started. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, we had, uh, it, it wore off actually onto the Buffalo Bills um, when my father did pass away um, unexpectedly. Uh, Bud Carpenter and Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, and they, you know, we, we, we fed the Bills a lot and we hung around a lot and did some. Well, they came over to my house that, that uh, the day my father passed away and I didn't know what to do. I'm 39 years old. We got this business going. It's a big business now. How am I going to do this by, you know, myself? And where, where are you going to go? What are we going to do? And they said, hey, listen, Dennis, don't worry about it. Your father's work's just started. Like, what do you mean? They go, we're going to start this scholarship fund. Now, you got to understand, like 27 years ago, nobody knew what scholarship funds were. Either they were a huge foundation or it was no scholarship fund, you know. So they go, no, there's this new law. We got, we got to do this. Your father's work's just started. And that's what kind of what, you know, we happened. So Bud Carpenter did his days, you know, my my brother with me, you know, through, and he's our president actually, the scholarship fund. So yeah. uh, something we're very proud of that, uh, how this evolved through the years. And Jim Kelly's still our number one guy, your spokesman and, you know, all the Buffalo Bills still rally around us and still to this day. So uh, it's pretty cool how that belief and how that magnetism kind of uh, 
kept everything going. So very proud of that. I love that story, Dennis. And I'm curious, you know, to, to catch the attention and move, to move as professional sports team and athletes, especially somebody who is at the caliber of Jim Kelly, to, to move them so deeply to want to do something like that. What was it about your father that do you think that made such an impression on them that they connected and they resonated with so much that it compelled them to want to do that? Yeah, and you know, it's, um, you know, as, as Monsignor Lorenzetti in the homily I was talking to you about earlier, he described my father with the, with the um, you know, the integrity and the respect and the, the his hands were so big, but he knew when you, when you touched him and you grabbed him, you knew the sincerity of him. You knew his, what he was, he was all, you know, with you. I mean, it was, he just, you know, you just, he, he kind of embraced you. And once he embraced you, my father embraced you, you know, you, you didn't let go. And that's kind of the way it was with, uh, with Jim Kelly. And um, it was pretty interesting, Bud Carpenter. I mean, he would have dinner with my father, you know, every night when he was alone and type of stuff. So Jim Kelly, so it was pretty interesting how um, once they did meet him and you got to sit down with them and you embraced with them. Um, yeah, it was a, it was something that people didn't forget. Wow. That's incredible. And then your father, he, did he grow up wrestling or was that something he developed afterwards? Yeah, it was, you know, big, you know, in, in Italy, the big, strong Hercules guys. So they always kind of did, but they never know professionally nothing there. He, when they went to Venezuela um, from, because they remember the Americans weren't allowed into our country um, after the war immediately. So he had to go through Canada or Venezuela or South America, somewhere there. So he was in Venezuela for two years. That's when he developed uh, his wrestling technique. Um, and then was uh, brought to America as a pro wrestler under the uh, tutelage of Tootsmon, who was in a partnership with the, um, um, and had connections with Vince McMahon, who's uh, his, uh, his son is now the one running um, WWE. Mm -hmm. So my father wrestled for his, his father. So back, uh, back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but so that would be, um, that's kind of how it evolved. And then pro wrestling gave him his opening to get in this country. And he was forever grateful. That's incredible. I, I think that's such a fascinating thing about sport is that, you know, we may not be able to communicate and it's, it's such a relevant message for today is when communication breaks down, we're not able to use our words. It's like those kids you talked about, the joy you see in their eye or the way they move their finger it communicates this universal language of, of happiness, joy, gratitude, or through sports, we can communicate similar feelings, similar emotions. It's, it's an amazing thing that I sometimes think, you know, we were talking beforehand about some of the challenges with technology. And I also sometimes think there's this over-reliance on spoken word and language. And it's like, we, we say so much that sometimes we miss really understanding and hearing what somebody else is trying to communicate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and when you, simplicity is always the big thing I think about. And I think that um, when you say, they go, why'd your father open up a restaurant? I go, well, it was very simple. He didn't want to be hungry like he was in Italy, you know, mm. so the best way in America, you know, he knew he couldn't wrestle forever. So he knew that he had to have some out somewhere in his life. And, you know, he, um, he decided to open up a restaurant and, you know, that's where we've been 56 years later. And when your when your father opened up the restaurant, was he, was he a chef? Was he a cook? Did he have these recipes or was it a skill set that he developed over time? Yeah. He, you know, he was blessed with a lot of good people with him. He had a couple of paisans that, that, that were, you know, cooked with him he had a, a good knowledge of the basic recipe but you know like my mother would say i mean we started this restaurant with four people it was basically a pizzeria you know mm -hmm. and then um and that's what we had and then um actually the first one 
about a mile down the road burned down um, after about six months. It was electrical fire in the plaza, burned the whole plaza down. So there goes his dreams. Then he had to go back to Japan um, for the first time in Japan to make some money to be able to start up a, a new business. And with a handshake agreement with this uh, developer, George Taylor, who was building houses at them, he said, hey, Leo, do you want to build, a, you want to get back in the restaurant business? I said, yes, but I don't have enough money yet. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to build you your pizzeria and you can start paying me once you, once you open up. And that wow. was a handshake agreement. This is amazing. So then the father went to the bank down the street, M&T Bank, and said that, uh, you know, I need, I need $20,000 to buy pizza ovens again and, you know, tables and all that kind of stuff and chairs. And, and uh, they said, well, Lilio, <clears throat> your collateral, what do you have? He goes, well, I have, I live, we live in a trailer at the time and uh, we have a Cadillac. He said, that's all I have. And they said, okay. Um, they put down popular name, you know, he'll make good on the, on the loan. And that's how they gave him the money. And I no tell that to them. <laughs> I wow. still tell that story at M&T Bank uh, when the executives come in, the seniors always go, hey, um, Dennis, would you tell that story how our relations with M&T this day? Uh, M&T still has our loans with us and stuff to this day, but they go, would you share our, our uh, beginning? Um, I said, yeah, definitely. Want to tell. So I share that story with them. It's like, holy cow, things change. I said, yeah, the popular name, that was it because he was wrestling Friday night at the auditorium. So yeah, pretty neat stuff. Wow, that's incredible. Gosh, and that is yeah. such a lost thing. You, I feel like you rarely even hear of handshake deals anymore. <clears throat> no, no, not at all. Not at all. You got to you know everything up in there. So that was it. But, you know, and that's where, where they could look at each other in the eye and they shook hands in it and it meant everything. And uh, they said, you know, we know you'll make good on it. And, you know, absolutely. They knew. And, you know, it was just uh, it was pretty cool, that story that uh, and then we, we kept expanding out. My father invented home equity before there was home equity as we built. He had to buy a house um, for more parking as we, his business grew. So he went to the bank and they tell us, he said, hey, come back. They go, what can we do for you? He goes, you know the money I gave you the past three years? They go, yeah, the, the past three years. Yeah, he goes, I need it back. They go, what do you need? I need it back. I, go, I don't need that money back. I got to buy a house. So I need the money I gave you. I need it back again. So, so that's when the home equity started. Uh, they go, holy cow. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, I've been paying. Oh, now I need to borrow some money back. So, you know, it, it's so worked out pretty funny. So needless wow. to say, that's how we've grown. 13 times we've expanded. So through our years. So pretty interesting. That's incredible, Dennis. Thank you for sharing that. What, what did you feel is the most important lesson or lessons that you've learned from your father? You know, um, you know, never get your, your G's mixed up. I mean, be grateful for everything you have. Uh, don't take it for granted. Um, and I think that's very an important message. A, a good friend of mine also, Jim Tressel, a former coach at Ohio State, um, I went to college with him, you know, him and my father and all that, and his father, um, you know, we're the same mold. I mean, that type of thing is, you know, be every day. I mean, you thank, you know, thank God and be grateful for what you have because, you know, you start taking it for granted. There's only, there's only one way to go before and it's forget about it. It's lost and you may never get it back again. So I think every day is frustrating as this COVID year has been for us all and doing it. But we had the faith and the belief as well as my staff and my people here at the restaurant that, that stuck by us and said, look, yeah, we're going to keep going. Cause I honestly, I was in constant fear, Jesse, of thinking like, Hey man, if we close, we may never open up again. And I was afraid to lock that door. So uh, that's why we never locked that door. And, you know, we kept working through everything for, because of that belief that, you know, we've worked so hard for this and I don't take it for granted. Like, uh, well, just, you know, forget it. You know, government's going to give us money. No, we got to keep working for everything we got and, and be grateful every day that we can at least eat. And that's what, that's what we've uh, succeeded. 
Wow. And, and Dennis, I want to ask you about that. You had, you told me before we, we jumped on today that your, your, your staff, your team at the restaurant, they stuck together through the COVID year. And I think that's such an important thing to note because I know so many people for many of the challenges through COVID was, was it brought up so many different emotions and fears, and anxieties, and people would often separate from the people they held closest to. What do you attribute to your team of being able to stick together and pull through it? Like how, do, how does a team stay bonded and focused on a goal through a challenging time like COVID? Yeah, I think in, in a situation or many of the hospitality industry people is, you know, because when you work, one person doesn't make your meal. It's the entire family. It's you know, the whole family, a concept of everybody working together, you know, going through the trials and tribulations that we all go through in, in our lives on a daily basis. So the, the, the continued support, um, is all is, is so evident in people and I got to be honest with you too the community here um when everybody was closing up around us I cannot believe how many people were calling go you, you you're not gonna lock the door I is you're not gonna close I is I mean we need a place to eat we need a place to go out and then we all started realizing you know what yeah these people where are they gonna go eat where are they gonna go get lasagna where are they gonna go get a chicken parm or where are they gonna go get a, a steak or something I mean if we're not here to cook for them and to take out food where are they gonna go I mean everything's gotta be I mean there, there needs to be an outlet in their lives. And I got to tell you, the, the, the truth of people, our takeout was, was so busy. I mean, we had to put times on, we had to do numbers, space it out so we could get the food out. It was just, it was amazing. All because the community's got damaged. You're not closing. You guys can't close. And they rewarded my staff tremendously. You know, I mean, I can't tell you, the people would come in with gifts from my staff and my people saying thank you, all the customers, wow. and they were forever grateful. And so that's when we really felt we were essential, part of the community. My staff, not only myself, but my staff felt the same way. Like, hey, we have a responsibility here to take care of our community. And that's the way we felt. I think that's such a, you know, the, this, the synergy of the relationship. You, you all have formed such a strong relationship with your local community over the years, supporting them through scholarships and these various things. And, and now in this time, you step up to take care of the community. And then it's like hearing the community steps up to take care of you as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. And it may, I think where you live now, it's, it's a little bit larger than the small Italian town that you go visit every year with a thousand people. But it <laughs> exactly. sounds like in, in a way you have, you have replicated or carved out a similar piece of that too, to have such an outpouring of community support where there really is this, this beautiful synergy through you all. That's something very special, Dennis. I appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, it's something I, I look at, I go, something that my father started us with. And ironically, if you come to Blaisdell, there's a monument in front of the school across the street from the restaurant that they erected for my father. Um, and then in the town of Interaqua, an ocean away, they also have a statue of him in the town um, and a museum of him um, over there. So it's pretty cool that my father's been recognized um, in, in two small little towns, an ocean apart, uh, different parts of the world. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's because of the foundation that he laid for us all and the beliefs that he shared with us uh, and the people in our community that, that why we are where we are today. It's such an inspiring story too, because again, it's a testament to what can be possible for all of us, that if a man can come who overcame polio from uh, across, across an ocean at post-World War II, extremely hardship times with nothing and can make such a profound impact that there's a statue in, in two separate towns and oceans apart for, to honor him, mm -hmm. it really, it really invites the question for all of us of what, what are we capable of? But also I, I think even more so in hearing 
this, this theme of family and community and what your father has started to build and you've carried on and evolved in his, in it, in his absence, it, it often, it makes me wonder, you know, what could all of our local communities look like? What could our families look like? One of the heart, most heartbreaking things for me this past year was hearing stories about how many people, you know, they were so upset with their family members because of political beliefs or their, their opinions about what was going on they stopped talking to family members. They shut them out. Friendships ended. And it just, it makes me wonder that if we all had stronger communities, if we had stronger feelings of family and loyalty that we came together more than we pulled apart, what kind of communities could we create? How much more love and joy would there be in the world? Absolutely. Totally 100% agree with your thoughts there too. No doubt about it. We, we kind of keep that stuff all out of our place here. You're, we're, we don't not allow you to talk politics in our restaurant. So there's nothing there, but we talk about our, you know, it's, it's, it's the way it is. They all know yeah. how I am. Go, oh, it makes the nothing. food taste bad when you talk Absolutely. about politics. No, we're not doing that. But <laughs> no, not my friends, everybody else, they all know it. it you know, I'll get a kick out of you. That's, you know, but you're right. I mean, I think if people focused in more on their neighbors and their community and their own families and, and, uh, and, and making, making a positive effect on stuff, we'd be all so much better off. And that's why to see my grandson, you know, keeping him busy, we're just talking about today and roll him in, in football and different eight years old. But, you know, my, my niece from Todd and I said, you know what, the better we keep our kids busy doing things, interacting with other kids and different stuff. I mean, we took him to a different neighborhood today to play in baseball and, you know, different. And he's kind of nervous. I don't know anybody pop like, well, don't worry about it. You're going to make new friends, James. And this is what life's all about making new friends every day. So, these are my friends I grew up with. They're not with the kids that you grew up with, but you will make new friends today. So, you know, sure enough, you know, are you going to go back tomorrow? He goes, Papa, I love it. It's great. Like, well, there you go. See, so you're making new friends. And that's the kind of stuff, keeping our kids active, keeping our families active and, and work with them. That, that's, I think, is where we need to focus in this, in this world, needless to say, moving forward. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Dennis. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yes, we're coming up on our time. Before I ask my final question, uh, where can people, where's the best places for people to connect with you? Yes, you know, you could visit us at our website at iliodepaulos.com. Um, we could go on that. We're on Facebook at iliodepaulos, also Instagram, Twitter, and everybody else can look that up there. If you want to see a lot of history about my father, you can look up Ilio DePaulo on YouTube. We have about uh, uh, 30 of his wrestling matches, his whole life in the videos there too. We have an interview there for him. There's a quite a Ilya DePaulo resume on YouTube of different things you can look and see a lot of interviews he did personally with a lot of celebrities that um, explaining what he went through in his life. So interesting story to, to follow up on, but you can follow YouTube, Facebook, uh, and our website. Um, you can follow us right here at the restaurant, and that's where you find all our family stuff. So, but thank you very much, Justin. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, and everybody, I'll have to say too, I, you can order some of the food from Ilya Paul's website and they'll ship it to you. And I have some of their pasta sauce. It's delicious. <laughs> there you go. Yep, absolutely. That and our dressing, we got breadcrumbs and, you know, hopefully as soon as uh, the, the Italians can start shipping me over more of my uh, pasta from my, my father's town, we'll have that for you too, Jesse. So uh, oh, I can't wait forward to another gift box. So that's for sure. I can't <laughs> wait. Den Dennis, final question. You and I had talked in a, in a previous conversation and you had said that and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't want to misspeak, but it was something to the effect that you are now one of the primary uh, catering venues for people, uh, for memorial services. People, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, is that right? Did I hear that right? Yes, yeah, we did. We, um, 
in 2019, just we were um, uh, recognized the number one banquet facility here in uh, Buffalo, New York here um, with over 1400 parties. And we had, we do almost 300 to 400 um, memorial luncheons um, on an annual basis. And, you know, and I tell you, there's something about breaking bread with family, and especially in, in, in good times and in bad times, um, it, it, it helps the soul heal and helps yeah. us all heal. And I really believe in that. Breaking bread was my father's big belief that uh, we need to sit down. When he was doing business, he'd always have, sit down and have a cup of soup with me in different things. So that's kind of how we, uh, we kind of, and the memorials here in, in Western New York are very popular with uh, not just with us, Ilios, but in all the restaurants and, and halls around the town, because people after that time do need to sit down and break bread with their family and, um, and celebrate the life of the one that's passed away or celebrate the life of the future showers and, and uh, newborns and weddings. And also uh, we're very proud at number one ranking. So that was awesome. So thanks for bringing it up, Jesse. I appreciate it. Yeah. And that's, that's perfect. I, I love you shared about the value of breaking bread. That's a, that's a beautiful way to end. Everyone, this is a, a really special one. You're going to want to watch and re-listen to. And what started as a, as a fascinating history of, of Dennis's father, a former professional wrestler who made it across Italy post-World War II and came to the United States with nothing and couldn't speak the language, has really turned into an incredible story of family and community and caring for one another. Dennis shared about Ilya's belief that they carry on today through their scholarship foundation as donate over a million dollars to various athletes about supporting those in need and rewarding, the, rewarding those who deserve it. I love the story of recognizing those kids who were going through that hard time that the mall rejected and starting with the, the small Christmas party for them that's turned into mm -hmm. a major center mm -hmm. that provides for these kids. And you know, what Dennis was saying too about you know, some of these kids, they may not be, have the ability to communicate with their words, but it might be a lift of the finger or the joy in their eyes. You know, it, it invites the opportunity for all of us that what would happen if we became less reliant on the words we said and look deeper into the hearts and souls of the people we surround ourselves with. I, I really think that we leave a lot of love and joy on the table because we're so looking, we're always looking for the verbal piece and we're not looking deeper into the actual human part of it. And then we went into talking about the idea of community and really looking at what it would be like to lean into and pour into your neighbor, to support your neighbor, to focus on lifting your neighbor up and then allowing them to lift you up in hard times too. That notion of expanding a family business about coming in and surrounding yourself with good people, people who knew, who, who could fill in the blanks that maybe what you couldn't fill in yourself and then coming together as a community to create something really, really special and allowing that to continue to evolve about the impression that you can make on people. You know, what sounds like attracted the Buffalo Bills to Ilya was they, they saw in someone who this had this incredible work ethic and desire to do good. And, and there was a sincerity in once they actually met them. You know, it's at, sometimes I think we go through life trying to be someone who we think we need to be for other people, just really focusing on embracing who we truly are. You know, it makes us wonder what would the interactions in our lives and our business professions be if we focus on sincerity and just being truly ourselves as opposed to trying to make that impression or be someone we're not. Perhaps we could get back to the beautiful days when there was more handshake deals and trust that could go on with it. And lastly, I love what Dennis said about breaking bread, about going through hard times, whether it's business or it's grief and loss, about how healing and cathartic it can be to just focus, sit down and focus on breaking bread with someone. You know, many of us have gone through challenging and difficult times this past year, and many of us are looking to the future with much optimism and hope. And perhaps this is a wonderful opportunity for each of you to make an effort to break bread with someone that you know or someone you'd like to know. 
if you could take one action from today after mine and Dennis's conversation, it's when you turn this off, make a list of the folks that you'd love to break bread with or the folks you need to break bread with. It just might be your neighbor down the street who, who you have yet to meet, or it might be that person in your community that you wanted to connect with, or that phone call you forgot to return because life got too busy. You know, slow down and make the time to break bread with them. It could really carry for a very long ways to a beautiful relationship. Dennis, this has been such an incredible to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for sharing so generously of yourself, your family, your father, what you all are doing at uh, Ilya de Paulo's. I'm excited to try the food in person whenever I make it over to New York. And I'm just so grateful to know you. Thank you. Uh, great, great job, Jesse. I was honored to be on your show today. That's for sure. So, uh, so well said and so summarized uh, our podcast here uh, tremendously. I, you know, it's, thank you very much for a great listener and great communicator. Um, and, and continue the great work you continue to do around the country and uh, keep the motivational speaking, keep the, keep the word open and communicating for uh, in this whole community. That's the key. People like you make this a better world and we appreciate what you're doing. So thank you, Jesse, for that. Likewise, Dennis. Thank you. And we'll see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to